Adam, hello and welcome to the Inspiring Future Leaders podcast. I'm thrilled to have you here with me today and I'm really looking forward to our conversation. If you could first briefly introduce yourself to the audience and then we'll get started. Hi, thank you so much, Katie. Look, it's a real honour to be invited onto this, especially when I see some of the Gainsight um, luminaries who have been previous to me. I feel very honoured. But I'm Adam Joseph. I'm the Regional Vice President of Customer Success for our European business. Um, and working at Gainsight is something like a bit of a dream to me because I've been a, a customer success fanboy for as long as I can remember. So being part of the customer success company uh, really you know gives me great spring in my step every day so great to be here great to be involved uh, thank you so much for that and I couldn't help but smile when you said uh, being a customer success fanboy uh, <laughs> I think a lot of us in customer success are, um, are huge fans and we're really, really passionate and it is we feel very lucky to be um, working in this discipline uh, but digging into that a bit you know, why are you a customer success fanboy <laughs> it's a great question. I think, look, if I think about my career, uh, and indeed most people that I know, the career that you have is is a little bit judgment, but a huge degree of, of luck built in. And I feel when I entered what was back then known as the uh, client services world, and I'm talking back in the early 2000s, so 2003, which is when I entered the profession, but it was obviously customer success as a term hadn't take on, taken off by then. And I was hired by a SaaS company to come in and uh, work with customers in a non-direct sales role to really help them understand the, the value that they were getting from our products. And so a customer success uh, role by any other name, it was just the term was hadn't been invented back then. But very quickly, I discovered a, a company and most importantly, a role that I loved. And, um, you know, as I say, there was a, a little bit of judgment, but a huge dose of luck and just being in the right place at the right time. And working with customers in the long term, and so, you know, I've always been very relationship focused and that discipline of a trying to understand what value a customer wanted to get out of a particular solution, coming up with a plan, delivering it and then proving that ROI. I just loved it. And so, you know, I, especially in the early years, I, I made lots of mistakes, but what a great learning exercise that was. And through the next what is now kind of almost 22 years of my career, I've really just honed my, my art and my craft, continue to make mistakes because no one's perfect. But kind of I, the, the mistakes that I make are never the same because, you know, the, the price that you pay of innovation is sometimes you need to repivot. Um, but absolutely just love doing it and obviously then got to know the team at Gainsight and lucky enough now to work with my heroes such as Dan, such as Nick as well, who I know have been former guests and, and continue to learn from them and others and people like yourself to, to kind of always look to innovate and change what we do. And if we think about the rate of innovation over the last, even the last 18 months over COVID or so, you know, there's seen some tremendous innovation around things like product-led customer success, CS ops, and, you know, we, we just weren't talking about this a few years ago. So I think, A, I, I love the profession, and B, just it, it keeps you on your toes, you keep learning, you work with great people, and you, you, you know, you, you're never, I don't think you can ever be called an expert at this job, because there's always more to do and more to learn. So I guess that's why I'm a fanboy. That last thing that you said, we can never call ourselves expert in this discipline. I think that's true of, of anything. And I really loved that, that theme that you were talking there about the fact that you made mistakes very early on, but understanding that those were learning opportunities. And more recently, as you continue to make mistakes, because none of us are experts, none of us are perfect. And all of these mistakes are learning opportunities. They're opportunities to innovate and to repurpose, as you said there. Going back to something you said quite early on there, you said uh, you found a company and a role that you loved. What was it about the company that you loved? I, I think it was the culture 
of, of the business and a management team that really supported what I was trying to do. Because to start off with, I was literally a, a one man band, right? I was um, everything from, you know, doing the admin of my job to the more st strategic elements. But I think that they allowed me to be more than just the job description said it should be. Because when you read the job on paper, it just looked more like of a, an administrator's role following the salesperson around and trying to pick up the stuff that they didn't want to do. But so when I when I interviewed for the role, I, I said, look, I'm interested in the job, but not really in the way that it's described. So they you know, I took a leap of faith in them and they took a leap of faith in me. And I had a management team who were really supportive, who allowed me to try different things. And as I mentioned earlier, make mistakes and learn from them. But the kind of big message from them is just keep going, keep innovating, keep trying. They allowed me to build a team around me. They allowed me to, to, to try new technologies to, to help us scale effectively. And so I, I think that was really the, the, the best thing about it. And I ended up staying in that company for about 12 and a half years, which is by far the longest period I've stayed in any company. Because every time I, I thought I reached the summit, they then gave me a new mountain to climb, which was, which was really important. And the thing I loved about it as well, that, that it's the same at Gainsight, and I hope for many people listening to this, the same at the companies that they work from. You know, there's never I go to bed at night where I lie my head in a pillow and I'm, I'm, I kind of think to myself, well, I hope they never find out about that. Or I've screwed up and I, I've, I've, you know, I, I'm going to try and keep it quiet and I hope that no one realizes. You know, I've always been a very kind of transparent and open person as, and I hope I bring that quality to the, the leading the teams that I manage as well. And having that, that culture of being able to celebrate successes, but also own your, your failures, I think is really important. And I think was a central theme of while I was in that company for so long, as well as the, the continual desire to innovate and be the best that you can be. And I, I think that was really the, the, you know, why I stayed in that company so long. And, a, you know, and also having a great manager and a great leader. Um, her name was Colleen Honan. And uh, she, she always had this amazing ability to look for any soft underbelly. So when I thought I was presenting the best possible description and argument about what I was doing, she'd always have the ability to ask these really pertinent questions that made me think differently. Um, and, and again, that's something that I've tried to, to bring forward in my, in my career is, is now. So, yeah, I think that's the reason I stayed there so long. And I've tried to carry those same values and lessons into what I do today. Uh, well, my job here is done. I've, you know, you've asked all the questions I was going to ask. You. micro podcast the podcast in just about eight minutes <laughs> yeah. that culture piece it, it has evolved from my passion for customer success and the belief that the foundational principles of customer success are a business-wide a company-wide uh, business imperative it's not a nice to have it's not one person or one team it is a philosophy that the entire company should be em embracing and and living by and therefore i believe very strongly in in those foundational principles being just inherent in everybody's culture and leadership style this podcast has evolved we do talk about customer success because that's where myself and many of my guests come from but it is mostly about culture and leadership and trying to rail against some of the traditional hardened beliefs that we all carry through with us even though they don't necessarily sit comfortably with us so I'm trying to unpick what are the positive elements of culture that excite people and motivate people and fulfill people you mentioned a few things there but for mm. you in an ideal culture what would you be looking for what are the qualities and the motivators that you would look for 
I think to go, and I referenced this earlier, to kind of go beyond the job description, I think one thing that really impedes progress at any business is where you've got silos. And very often we think about silos as between one department and another, but very often it can even be between one job in a department and another. So yeah. this, you know, one big team ethos, I think is super important to help kind of cultivate that, that culture, that winning culture. And also, I think everyone having a very clear understanding of how, even in the smallest possible way, how everyone's work contributes to wider business success. And I think having that, that kind of visibility, a, a culture isn't really defined by a company, it's defined by the people that work at that company. And so having that from the, the, the CEO downwards, now you've already kind of had Nick as a as a, a guest on this podcast and I can't think of any better example and I've said this to Nick directly as well of, of someone whose whose own beliefs really manifest itself across the rest of the business this, this human first leadership and, and Nick gave this presentation once and it was probably the most impactful business presentation I call it business it was personal and business really and it was he, he, he talked about broken windows and we've all got broken windows in, in our lives, you know, when you sometimes look across pro professional and social media, it can create a very false narrative and image about what people are going through. Everyone looks shiny, happy, everyone talks about successes. But what people often don't talk about are those broken windows in your life. Now, he was talking both figurat figuratively and physically through, a, you know, I, I think there had been a disturbance in his house that had caused a broken window. And I've had the same here, you know, with, with kids and, and kicking off and, and windows and many other things have been smashed. And we've all got those things going on in our life. And the ability to understand that as professionals, obviously we're there to do a job, but we're, we're people made up of different emotions and talents and the ability to bring all of those together, even though we're kind of, we've got many different attributes, you know, in our personalities and our way of thinking. So if you can combine all of those disparate talents and personalities together for the common good, if you can have that transparency within the business, when no matter what your role, from administrator to the CEO, you can understand how the input that you put in builds to, to the greater success if you to carry on the narrative of this podcast already if you can celebrate your successes and and you know share successes which are great but also learn from from experiences that don't go your way and if you can kind of take the sum of all of those things then I think you've got a winning culture for me those I think are some of the most important points you, you know that I, I love game site I love Nick I love Dan I love you I love all of the team that we love you too Kelly <laughs> <laughs> Why, thank you. you. You raised an interesting point there. Yes, I've had Nick on and I had an amazing conversation with him about where his beliefs and culture and philosophy comes in and some practical examples of how he and his leadership team try and sustain that culture. Obviously, much easier when you're a smaller company, but Gamesight has grown immensely over the last handful of years. So how do you sustain that over time? As an employee of Nick's, and somebody who experienced his leadership style and the culture at Gainsight, what are some of the practical things that you see, feel, and experience that happens at Gainsight that gives you that belief that it is such a great culture, that it does allow you to go beyond the job description, that it gives you that visibility, that it, it allows you to be transparent and vulnerable? What, what are some of the practical things that you could share with us? I think it starts with hiring and recruiting, right? You've got to make sure with any organization, it's not just, have you got the hard skills to do the job? Have you got the soft skills that you think you're going to be able to, to not only blend in, but also to lead some change as well. So we, we have this term at, at Gainsight, we, we, 
call the employees gangsters, right? And that's not just a term by name. It, I think it also says what you're about as an individual. And so I think in our drive to, to bring in the, 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 the best possible people we can, I think we try and use the blend of both practical experience, knowledge, um, skill set, but also, you know, have you got the have you got the right stuff about you that x factor as i call it and, and to be honest it's the same when in any role for customer success that I've, I've hired for yes i can teach product yes i can teach process i can teach many things i can't i, I can't teach you to give a damn about the customer and it's the same with this the same kind of personality at gainsight even though we're all kind of made up of different attributes skill sets and, and personalities have you got something that can really aid to our culture which i think is a super important point and be this kind of team player and have that one company big vision so i think that that's really important but I, I think as well i think the other thing that really helps our success is we we're very open and transparent as a business not just in terms of our successes but our learnings as well and we use that as a continual drive to help improve us and and i think all of the the various leaders of the different groups who i'm lucky to work with are all very very similar as well so i think i think the openness the transparency the hiring the and, and as well as we've grown as a business you know if you think i've been at gainsight now for coming up for three years and you know seeing just huge rapid growth in that time and i think one of the things that we've got much better at actually is you can't always just you know have this mentality of being a hero all the time of jumping in where there's no process and trying to fix things i think that's fine every now and then but i think one part of your evolution as a business is that you you can't you can't forego process and i think again as we've evolved and grown as a as a company we've been we we've made sure that we've kind of looked at all of the areas where people have had to just kind of jump and you know catch balls and trying to do the best that you can and really think okay well that's great and we appreciate the effort but that can't be at the substitute of not having a firm process there which i think has really helped us grow effectively and scale as a company and helped us actually with our with our culture and our values as well so i think those and some of the practical steps have been some of the most important kelly strangely i hadn't made that connection while i was preparing for this episode despite the fact that obviously knowing Gamesight as well as I do. I've had an, a number of you on already. I've really enjoyed hearing it from well, in different episodes, but from both perspectives. Nick Mater is uh, who we're talking about, uh, and he's a previous episode. Go and check out the, the conversation because it was a great one. Nick's an incredible guy. We've talked, I, I suspect some of these answers are going to be fairly similar, but we've been talking more about culture, which does impact on the people, because obviously, as you said, Culture is defined by people. Companies are made up of people. What do you think are some of the great qualities that you have either seen or experienced or exhibit yourself? Mm -hmm. Who are the leaders? What do they do that inspire you? Can I tell you what I think is one of the most, it doesn't often get talked about because when you think about leadership, immediately the words that come to mind are strength you know, being at the front and, and all of that. And don't get me wrong, I think that's true. There's definitely an area there. I tell you, you know, one of the, the most underrated quality, I think, in any leader is vulnerability. And to my point earlier, you know, none of us are perfect. None of us have all of the answers. I remember once a former colleague of mine said that we're all on a scale between kind of Homer Simpson and, and uh, Albert Einstein kind of thing. Right? None of us are at one end of the spectrum, and apart from Albert Einstein, no one was is at the very end, right? So we're all we're all on this path, and I think sometimes actually saying to those around you, look, I, I don't know the answer here, and that's fine. And also, you know, what COVID has taught us as well, it's all challenged us in different ways. And so the ability to sometimes show that vulnerability, to me, is one of the biggest strengths that you can have as a leader, and it actually humanizes you. 
So I think that's definitely one of the big ones. I, I think as well as no one wants a leader in my mind who's just going to sit on their mighty throne and pointing the way for others. You want you want people around you, whether it's your team or your leaders above you, to, to both figuratively and physically be able to roll their sleeves up and not ask their teams to get involved in something they wouldn't be prepared to do themselves. And so, again, it's something that I've tried to exhibit for example, we've had a, a, a customer escalation for things that are way outside of my sphere. You know, so, okay, what can I do? I'm here. Let, let's help. You know, there must be something I can do. Now, you don't want to tread on people's toes. And to my earlier point, that isn't something that's scalable. But I think it just helps show people that, you know, you, you are in it with them and you're not just there kind of creating more, more work for them. So I, I think that's super important as well. I also think, you know, and again, this has been a challenge through with, with everyone moving to remote working is, you know, I've always had a very open door policy and that open door has always been a physical open door. And, you know, as we brought new members of the team, there are some of people that I, you know, I've barely met. And so trying to create that trusted um, atmosphere where people can be vulnerable with you, can share experiences, um, where you can humanize um, conversations as well and, and, and let people understand that as a leader, I, you know, my role as a leader, and I always tell this to my team, I'm here to celebrate your successes and basically to get hurdles out of the way for you. You know, I, I, I'm here as your blocker, to use the American football ter terminology, right? I want you to be able to run with the ball and me in front of you, just pushing different people out of the way so you can get to the end goal. And I think that's taken, you know, as, a, as an early leader, you feel under pressure immediately to, to prove your value and prove how great, you know, you're great and worthy of the promotion that you've been given in order to lead others. As I've matured in, in, in my career and, and learned more from it, you know, I, I've definitely kind of learned that lesson. And, and you know, I, my role really, I, I, I get my biggest buzz when I can see others around me and my team be successful. And we, I've been fortunate enough to have just completed a whole cycle of different reviews. Um, and I love it. And to see, and of course, it's great to do those where you give out promotions and you tell people they're great, but also those kind of aha moments when you can describe different things that they've been through and, and talk about other other thought processes and ways of, of doing things. I love that. And so the ability to be able to share those kind of messages, to share that learning, to celebrate their successes, but also help, um, you know, give constructive guidance in terms of how to think and act differently is something that I love as a leader. And again, you'd, I don't think you ever tick the box and say you've done it because with every week, month and year, I think I learn more and become a more effective and better leader. Um, and I love that. I love that process. I love learning more about, you know, to improve myself as a leader, but also help improve the lives and fortunes of those that are in my team and hopefully help those above me as well. I've made so many <laughs> notes, made, Adam. So uh, I have to say, when you said when people talk about great skills, qualities of, of great leaders, most people automatically go to strength. I have to admit, I went, oh, really? I don't think I ever do. That's because my belief is around the vulnerability. I believe that you need to be human to show other people that they can be human. That, and, I, and I think that individuals who are allowed to be their authentic selves, their authentic human selves, are the most powerful that they could possibly be for themselves and ultimately, therefore, for you and your business. I, I think maybe that was born out of the industry that I started in back in the day. So if I think about my career in my early 20s, you could always tell that the leaders, because they always shouted the loudest. 
artist. And I think, you know, one of the greatest evolutions that we've seen in the, in the workplace isn't, it isn't about who shouts the loudest, it's really who can provide the most value. And sometimes that can be the quietest voice in the room and not the loudest. So it's been, I think, amongst so many other things that we can say is immensely better now than it was when I started my career. That is definitely well up there. Yeah, and, and well said, Adam, because that's um, probably where I was going to go in a very convoluted way. And also, again, part of the motivation for this podcast is because there is still a lot of those traditional hardened beliefs because as you say that's how we started our careers you were expected to shout loud and if you were at your desk 24 hours a day and if you were shouting loudly and putting your opinions about whether they made sense or not then that you got noticed and you got promoted and that's what we all felt we had to do in order to get on but actually as we evolve and learn more we understand more what we need but also what other people probably need and we can challenge these expectations and move things on and I love that thing that you just said there about sometimes it's the quietest voice in the room that is something that I talked about with another guest Renata I think it was she has certainly been noticing that there is that introvert extrovert bias most people expect leaders and valuable contributors to be extroverts to be stating their opinions and their views in meetings as conversations are happening but actually sometimes and I'm very much like this sometimes uh, things need to percolate and once I've processed something I'll come back with an idea and that that's just as valuable sure. than you know, somebody just banging out an idea which may or may not have been well well thought through so I love the fact that you brought up vulnerability and that the, the humanizing impact of that not terribly surprising particularly given that you now work at Gainsight but that you've learned and evolved that through your career you said something about as an early leader you feel the need to prove value and your capability and pushing on through some of what you might naturally want to do and feel in order as we've said to meet those traditional viewpoints what would you say to early leaders who are just starting out yeah look I, I think um, I remember in those early days of me being a leader, and, and to some degree, I, I think even now that sometimes you kind of feel this thing called imposter syndrome, <laughs> am I really worthy? And I actually, in a recent meeting, um, and again, in the guise of being vulnerable, I said to my team that sometimes I, I feel that, you know, I'm a, in, you know, we all have reasons to kind of doubt ourselves and, and what we do. And, and sometimes you have bad days where everything that you think that is right goes wrong. And then you think, oh, crikey, am I, am I really adding value here? And, and this whole kind of imposter syndrome. And I, I, I don't think I've met a leader who hasn't had that at, at least some point in your career. But I think the way... Um, what I would say to kind of early leaders is, you know, you are going to go through a whole range of different emotions, you are going to have a whole range of different things that go well and don't well. So I think when you, when you, you know, celebrate your successes, yes, but that never means that you're the finished article. And when you have those bad days when, when nothing goes wrong, don't think you're the worst thing on earth either, right? So temp, temper the highs and temper the lows. Use everything as a learning experience. Continually seek great feedback. And, and, and you know, one of the things I love about you, Kelly, is how you've given up your time to mentor uh, people within the profession, which I think is super important. If I think about some of my the ways that I've developed over my both my individual contributor career, but then more, in, more likely into leadership, I've been fortunate enough to be able to uh, you know, have been mentored, and then now I mentor others in terms of like passing on that knowledge. And some of those, and some of those things are very practical in terms of processes and strategy that you can think about. But actually dealing with the, all of the different kinds of emotions 
and and human the, the way that as just as a human being you need to process that um I, I think it's been great so i think my advice for early stage individuals would be as i say you know temper the highs and lows everything's a learning curve find an amazing mentor who, who can help you as well uh, and never be afraid to try new things and it doesn't mean as a i think sometimes again as a as a new leader you feel that you've got to come in and make an immediate impact you know, and, and there's this phrase, you know, maybe it's old fashioned now, throw the baby out with a bathwater. Sometimes in your continual effort to, to drive change, you're actually breaking something that's not broken. And so, um, you know, it's, you know, continue to enhance things that are working well, identify what isn't and continue to try and innovate and try different things, expect failure along the way, but don't let that hamper your progress. That's some really great advice there. And bringing a point back in that you said earlier is a, a leader is just that, right? You shouldn't be expected to have all of the answers because not one person does and right. that's why you have a team that's why a company is built made up of many individuals because each person has their their value their skill sets the thing that they're good at uh, and what you were saying earlier about your your role as a leader is to celebrate their successes but also to to be that that conductor and that facilitator what is it that they need in order to get to, to their goal and how can you facilitate that yeah and to an earlier point that we mentioned as well, this is where culture becomes super important, because if you're going to bring people in who can add to that and be able as a leader, you know, I want my team to be able to bring solutions to the table, not just problems. You need to have a culture where people feel that they're able to then provide those kind of solutions and, and that they also feel listened to. And this is the same when we ask for, for example, you know, if we go out to our customers and say, how do you want Gainsight's products to be continually evolved? You know, if you can actually show that that feedback that they've taken has led to a tangible difference, then guess what? That feedback's going to keep coming. But if you provide feedback and it just seems to fall within a you know just fall between the cracks you're not seeing it what do you do you stop giving it and so this is where it's not just a, a one-stop thing if you you need to continue and you won't agree with everything you're given but you still you still need to provide that feedback in terms of you know some you know why that idea or why that suggestion wasn't implemented and i think if you've got that culture of innovation around you that culture of vulnerability and openness then this this feedback that you get just doesn't it's not just a one-stop thing it continues to happen and so i think it's really important in order to help drive that effective change and make sure people feel listened to just another example of why i believe customer success should be the foundation philosophy in every business because a lot of the things that I talk about with people on this podcast does come back to how we operate in customer success. We're always looking to see what the, you know, the outcome, the success, the, the drivers, the motivators are for our customers. And then as a team, we coordinate in order to get them there. And their success ultimately makes us successful. And you said that earlier, helping your team be successful, that motivates you, that fulfills you, but it also makes you successful as well. I do just want to unpick something you said there, because I saw something interesting on LinkedIn recently. And it is something that I remember somebody saying to me once, and it really created a, a, a bit of a trigger point for me. So you said that there are something about, you know, if you want your team to provide solutions rather than just come to you with problems, there are actually managers out there who are saying, don't come to me with problems, come to me with solutions, which actually can lead to a culture where you feel you can't highlight a challenge or a problem because you you don't know and you don't necessarily need to be the one to know what the solution is but having an environment where you're allowed to highlight that challenge and then corral the right people into a room in, in order to brainstorm and come up with possible solutions I think that's got to be part of that that transparency and that open culture that you've been talking about 
Would, would you agree with yeah, that? Yeah, hundred percent. I think it, it. And again, this is as a as a leader, what you're trying to do is is try and understand the context and the bigger picture. Because very often, when you're brought an issue or a challenge, you're just seeing it in isolation of that one conversation. And so, you 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 know. Ideally, you know, if someone's got an idea, you want to make sure you've got an environment where they feel comfortable and able to then provide a suggestion. But absolutely, it's not that we're expecting people to come in and be able to answer their own questions, but be able to create that atmosphere and culture where they feel comfortable to be able to communicate that if they feel that they've got something to say. And I, I think you're completely right. It's then about being able to then, it's not just you bring me a question, go away, I'll come back to you, I'll email you the answer in half an hour. It's probably you are going to need to involve different people in the conversation, which is where you need that one team mentality, because very often there, there might be um, impacts on what you're talking about with the likes of product or sales or support or marketing or engineering, right? So there, there are many, might be many different voices and there might be more than one solution as well or, or ways of being able to deal with it. So I think the, the skill there is being able to have a conversation to be able to say, look, I don't know all the answers myself here but let, let's just really think about some of the foundational steps that have maybe led to this let's think about different ways that you know is this truly a one-off or have we seen this come up before and what have we learned from previous because it's the art of insanity to keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result so you know and it's very rare actually that in in a career that's kind of as, as now as i can't believe how many years have gone by but um, it's very rare that you see an issue for the first time. I mean, it, it, there might be slightly different aspects of it, but, you know, the meat of this, the issue could be the same. And so I do try and think about where I've seen this before, either in the company that I've worked at or previously. And what did I learn from that? What did I try? And what did that fail or succeed? How, how might I innovate that? Um, and then especially if that's just two of you in a room, then you've got two experiences. But if you involve others, you've got other aspects as well. And so very quickly, even if it's not the individual who brought the issue, who's got the solution through good questioning, kind of using experience and different voices in the room, hopefully further forward than just trying to ask that person for the answer or come up with it yourself. Thank you for that. Those words just triggered me and I just I couldn't let it go without mm -hmm. digging into it a little bit, because I, th I think it's true as managers, as leaders, you do get down when people come to you just with problems and potentially expect you to solve the problem but the point is to remind everyone that it you know, no one no one topic is one person's responsibility we're a team uh i'm sorry i'm i am going to acknowledge the dog in the background uh, the trouble is the postman just arrived and so the, the dog still thinks the post is there to attack and no matter no matter she should be a sensible six-year-old by now but when the post comes through the puppy brain comes out Oh, bless her. Well, and another example of the human environment within which we work these days, particularly with all this remote working that we're doing. One of the things I love about customer success is it is a reasonably new discipline. You said at the, at the top of this episode that it didn't exist as a term when you had your first role that was effectively customer success. Mm. Um, so it is a fairly new discipline. We're also, we work in, a, in the SaaS industry where there are a lot of um, startups, early stage companies run by very young people, very entrepreneurial, innovative people. So we do actually have quite a lot of heads of VPs, what people call leaders, senior managers, who are quite early in their careers. There's a traditional perspective, again, what I'm railing against, is that you have to have had a certain amount of experience and a certain amount of tenure before you can become a great leader, because that's just the way it is. What are your thoughts and perspectives around that? Do you have to have a certain length of experience or certain types of experience before you can be a leader? Or can you be an, a leader at any age, even as, as a, a school child or something? Well, I, I think it's an interesting question. I, I think everyone can demonstrate leadership qualities in any role that they do. 
And I, you know, you don't necessarily have to have the word manager or VP or, or whatever to to demonstrate those those leadership qualities. I mean, I do think as for myself, would I have been ready when I entered my career for a, a leadership position? Probably not, because. Uh, although I think I like to think I had the personality traits that would, you know, I'm very relationship focused, very nurturing, quite a caring kind of guy, a decent sense of humor, although others might say otherwise. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, I, I think I've always had that kind of natural ability, which is why I've, I guess through selectional design, I, I've kind of found my career and passion with it within customer success. But even though I had those natural qualities, it did, and I mentioned some, you know, great individuals that I've had the pleasure to work for. I've learned so much from them that's kind of given me a both, yes, I've got some of those softer skills, but what I didn't really have are there any of those analytical skills. I think also you need to be a, a fantastic leader because you can't manage, just like with customer success, again, there's so many different, you know, things that ring true here. You can't manage customer success from gut feel. You need you need data to be able to manage it. Um and so I think it's the same with leadership as well, although I think people can always demonstrate leadership in whatever role that they've got. And I think there are some personality traits that I think really are well suited. Personally, for me, at least, I, I needed to have those early years of my career being managed by great people to kind of know look, if, if, if and when I want to be a leader, here are some of the attributes that I'd love to be able to do. You know, like I mentioned earlier, asking those kind of tough questions to help expose a soft underbelly of, of any argument using data you know so you, you're not just leading subjectively but objectively as well and so I think I might have struggled with that if I didn't have at least some experience of being managed in that way which has really helped me um, but as I said you don't need that manager job title to exhibit manager leadership qualities and I think that's the distinction there is a difference between being in a leadership role and being a leader and you and you can be both you can be mm. in a leadership role and a great leader you can be in a leadership role and actually just be a manager and not necessarily be a terribly inspiring or decent leader I've known plenty of those in my time but equally uh, what I would encourage and what I would love to encourage people to do and it's certainly what I, I encourage my mentees to do is that anybody can be a leader you don't have to be in a leadership role in order to as you say exhibit those leadership qualities and to have the impact on those around you the topics around which and the activities around which you may have great passion so for me I think that's a great distinction so thanks for articulating it in that way uh, and I would encourage anyone who's listening or anyone I talk to that you don't need to be in a leadership role in order to be a great leader and in actual fact there's plenty of people out there I think who just inspire people from the qualities and the traits and the conversations they're having without necessarily being in a leadership role. One final cheeky question what do you think your team would say about your leadership style? Yeah that's, that's, that's an interesting question so look I, I mentioned earlier about having a, a, an open door policy and being kind of human first, which is a term you'll hear a lot about Gainsight. And, and I like to think that I, my team would, would see that as well and, and know that they can come to me, um, you know, as a leader, but also as a human being uh, and, and, you know, in a, in a safe, safe space where they're not going to be judged and very much looking to, OK, what, what's done is done. How can we make, you know, we can't control the past, but we can learn from it. And how can we, you know, get better as a result and be better people and, and you know, and, and better professionals. And so um, having that, that kind of human first quality, always looking for a path forward um, and, and always trying to, as I said earlier, trying to help them be the best versions of them that they can be. And, and hopefully if, 
Um, you get a chance to talk to any of them. I, I would hope that they would say that. I'm sure like anyone else, they could point out some development uh, areas for me as well. But that's what I'd like to think in terms of what I try and bring to the table every day. That's the kind of cultural environment I'm trying to foster. The, the sentence that I wrote down there was always looking for a path forward. Uh, and I think that's a, a really positive way to, to go about uh, managing a team, particularly um, Personally, again, safe space is a bit of a trigger for me, but effectively that's what for me would be ideal if every company was a safe space for people to be their authentic self, to have their you know humanity come through. And when they make mistakes, because we all make mistakes, nobody knows what the right answer is until you try. So having that environment where you can highlight what has happened and look for that path forward, I think is incredible. Uh, another memory triggered, we, we did a readout. In a, we have these quarterly reviews where some of the, the, the individual contributor CSMs talk about an experience that they've had with a, a customer. And one of the things that really made me you know have a lot of pride actually was that at the end of a very difficult customer situation the CSM finished by saying both her manager and me had her back you know she felt supported and even in a challenging situation she knew that she could work with us uh, to try and find that path forward so maybe that's a nice way of ending it because it definitely you know, kind of fills me with pride doing it when I hear things like that. And that's a beautiful piece of feedback and you're right, perfect way to end that. And on that note, Adam, thank you so much for such a great conversation. If people want to find out more about you, your ideas, your motivations, your platform, I know that you used to have a website and I think you've resurrected that recently. What sort of channels can people find you on? Yeah, so I would love for anyone who hasn't already to connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, I love meeting new people on, on there and, and, ex and exchanging ideas. Um, you're right, I do have my own customer success portal as well um, that I've had for a few years now called customersuccessmanager.com. I find it unbelievable, even five years ago, that domain was just sitting there. So I grabbed it and used that as a, um, to actually have my, my, my first series of my, uh, of my podcast um, back then. And, and podcasting is a definitely creative medium that I love doing as well and blogging. So, um, and I've also just started using that to help people both um, uh, distribute and also find new roles as well. So given how buoyant the market is at the moment, I just wanted to do my bit and try and help. So definitely either on, on LinkedIn or, or customersuccessmanager.com would would welcome all in any interactions excellent thank you so much again thanks for a great conversation adam many thanks to those of you listening at the other end watch out for the next episode next week of the inspiring future leaders podcast bye for now